You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. The Broncos' eighth training camp practice is in the books. The next practice will be Saturday at Broncos Stadium at Mile High. Expecting quite a large crowd for that one. But the Friday practice, it was eventful. I'm Andrew Mason, joined by Ryan Edwards of KOA News Radio, 850 AM, 94.1 FM. In some ways, Ryan, this was the most physical practice that we've seen from the Broncos so far, in part because you finally got to see some work in goal to go. First team offense versus second team defense. Second offense with Kevin Hogan against the first defense. Frankly, it was about what you expected. The first team defense throttled the number two offense. They didn't score a touchdown. First team offense against the twos had some success. They did, and it was, that was a it was a good day for the ones. Good, good day for first team offense. I you know, hearken back to last week when we were talking about the second and third team offenses kind of finding the rhythm, and the first team offense still struggling. Not the case today. They've now stacked together two, two consecutive days. good days, and the interesting thing about this day is that you look at the first team offense. No day, Sean Hamilton. He's still out with a hamstring injury. You had Jawan James sitting out and Elijah Wilkinson working at right tackle. Ron Leary got a rest day as he comes back from the Achilles. We saw Jake Brendel at right guard. So that offensive line with two reserves, as a whole, I thought it had one of its best days out there. Absolutely. Running the ball, passing the ball. If I felt like the, the first team... They were driving on the run as well. Some of the runs were. Were, were set up by just the, the O-line getting a nice jump and getting two, three yards upfield, creating holes. Royce Freeman and Phil Lindsay had some solid runs today. I'm starting to see confidence in the first-team offense. That's not something I would have said in the first five, six practices, but the last two, you're starting to see development of confidence and a, a belief that they are going to move the ball. They expect to move the ball, even against a good defense. It's a trend. It, like, like all things in training camp, they're trends. Whether or not it'll remain that way is kind of up to them. They got the Saturday scrimmage coming up, but... That that's the trend that I'm most excited about. When they did the two-minute drill to move the ball to get into scoring range, first-team offense, they moved down the field. It was a mix of Cortland Sutton. It, Tim Patrick was in there, obviously targeting the tight ends. But again, you're, you're pointing it out. You know, Emmanuel Sanders isn't out there. Deshaun Hamilton isn't out there. Kelvin McKnight made two huge catches on that drive mm-hmm. to set them up into field goal range. And so it's one of those things that they – they're starting to find a bit of their groove, and this isn't even without their full complement of players. You had Kelvin McKnight make a four-yard reception, kind of plucking the ball out of the air on third and four Yep, to keep that drive alive. You had Tim Patrick also making a third-down reception on that series. Uh, that was about as good as you could expect from the first-team offense. My concerns, and I think Vic Fangio's concerns, are also in the same spot. You're still seeing some pre-snap timing penalties. Mm -hmm. There was one, I think, on Noah Fant in a goal-to-go scenario, not in the goal line, but uh, when they were back at the 10-yard line snapping the ball. And low snaps were a problem today. At one point, two low snaps from Connor McGovern to Joe Flacco in a single period. Yeah, and and that's the fundamental stuff. That's the detail work that they're they're still ironing out. But... The thing about it is if they were having those and still having the timing issues, then I would have some more concern level, but the timing's starting to come together. 
work on those detail issues. There, there's ways to to teach those things. There's ways to practice those things to not have the pre-snap penalties. Low snaps continue to be something that uh, is a little bit of a trend that needs to be corrected. It's not just Connor McGovern either. I mean, it's it's even second team. Drew Locke had to snag a right. low snap. Ended up completing the ball, by the way. Nice Re- recovery by oh, Drew Locke. Man, Drew was- Locke seems to be at his best when something breaks down. Well, and as uh, Benjamin Albright pointed out to me, I mean, he had plenty of experience catching low snaps at Missouri. This is true. So, so I watched him. I know. Yeah, cool. he's had plenty of experience with that. So that was a good observation uh, by Ben. And yeah, he he does seem to be more. Uh, and this is that's something you really can't train a, a guy when things are breaking down, when things are not going completely right. He keeps a pretty cool, calm composure in the pocket, moving out of the pocket, and he's he has a lot of confidence in his arm. What Drew Locke needs to work on, and this is something that that Vic Fangio has alluded to, it's when everything's going right, when the pocket's holding up. You don't need to throw sidearm when the pocket's fine. You don't need to get kind of weird with your your mechanics your arm delivery your footwork everything's good when i see a sidearm from drew lock in seven on seven when there's no rush i cringe a little bit and i've seen that a few times in Mm -hmm. the last few days just doesn't he doesn't need to do it and he's i think he's going to get there but but there's a, a point that you do like the whole gunslinger mentality, right? You like a guy that can think on his toes because the NFL's like that, especially at the quarterback position. It, it's not always going to be clean pockets for every quarterback. You're going to have to improvise. You're going to have to think on your toes. And you have to make smart decisions with the football. And so far, I'd say overwhelmingly, I feel pretty good about what Drew Locke has been doing. He's cut down on the interceptions. He's cut down on passes that could be picked off. There were a couple of yesterday that probably could have come down. But you know what? They didn't. And in the course of a game, that's going to happen. This sort of comes down to something that we've talked about when evaluating Drew Locke, and it's that he has the things you can't coach, but he is lacking and needs work in the things you can. Right. And you can coach a quarterback to be competent when everything's going right and be able to move the ball down the field and stay within the lines, so to speak. You can coach that up into a quarterback if he has enough raw tools. But the ability to take things beyond the way they're designed when something does break down, improvisational skills as a quarterback, these are things that allow a passer to reach a level that others can't. I'm not comparing Drew Locke to Patrick Mahomes, but the thing that you like about Patrick Mahomes is the ability to take a play beyond the design and make it something even better than you could have conceived it. And really, all the great quarterbacks, you can talk about that. You can mention that with Aaron Rodgers, even though Tom Brady and Peyton Manning aren't scramblers. You can mention it with them. Every great quarterback had that improv ability If Drew Locke can do the fundamental things right when he has a clean pocket, when he can be settled, he's going to be in great shape because for those moments when things go awry, someone misses a block, there's a low snap, a receiver runs the wrong route, whatever, he can still make something out of it. Some of his best plays in training camp so far, actually not some, probably most, have been when something went wrong and he was able to keep it alive. And you're seeing receivers kind of adjust to what he is. Kelvin McKnight, in a conversation you're going to hear later on in this podcast, kind of alluded to that, that uh, Drew Locke has you know some sidearm and stuff like that in his arsenal. 
And because of that, the receivers know, hey, we can break off our out. We just keep going. He's going to find us. Yeah, and and so far for the uh, the optimism about Drew Locke and, and really where his progress lies is now kind of, like you said, learning the things that can be taught, having Rich Gangarella work with him on, hey, look, if, if it's going right, if the protection's there and, and you feel confident and the game's slow enough that you know it's gonna, it's, you're going to see spots where you don't have to Im- be uh, improvisational, then utilize that. Take advantage of the opportunities when things aren't breaking down because the fact is it's not always going to be like that. And that, it's a good sign from him. And, and ultimately, like I said, I mean, that, that was a good example right there, a low snap. And previously, Joe Flacco also had a low snap, had to just tuck the ball into the ground. I'm not saying Joe Flacco. He also caught another slow snap and was able to complete it. But uh, I was impressed to see Drew Locke do that. Something I was thinking about as you were saying that, and it's been rolling through my mind during some of Drew Locke's reps. If he earns the number two job and something happens to Joe Flacco and Drew Locke has to go out there and start for a few games, do you modify the offense a little bit to where maybe you're doing some things in a little more of a schoolyard, off-the-cuff type of manner, which seems to suit him a little bit better if you are forced to throw him out there in year one? 100%. And, and you, I mean, look, you, you already know that the way they both will function as quarterbacks, they're going to be utilizing tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. The quick, the quick passes, it's going to be a big part of this offense. But he's got the arm to move the ball down the field. It's like every other young quarterback. You'd want to do things to get him in rhythm. Like, right? I mean, if you had to put him in mid-game, let's get him in rhythm. Let's get him some quick some quick uh, hitch, quick uh, outs to the tight ends, which you saw that a ton in the flat today with the tight ends in the flat. Austin Fort and Noah Fant, very active. Also saw uh, some good work from Jeff Hireman, I thought, today in that Jeff area. Jeff Hireman. Troy Fumagalli had Magali. some catches. Well, I mean, there's only four guys now. so They're getting a lot of work. They're getting a ton of work. And uh, you're seeing a lot of 12 personnel out there with two tight as you probably will expect to see because they actually function the best out of that. So far, what I can tell, the Broncos' offense functions best when there's two tight ends on the field. That's going to be your base package, I think. We sort of talked about that in the offseason as right. well. Once they drafted Noah Fant, that two tight end could become the base set. So I think my I'm not going to get all my roster predictions right, and we're going to do some more roster projection next week. We talked about it before camp. We're going to get back into it next week, but... I think my four tight end prediction is going to be dead on. Mm-hmm. It, it the feels, way we're, the way we're seeing these guys used. Well, and, and this is where Jake Butt, who missed his fifth consecutive practice, really needs to get back on the practice field. I mean, it's Austin Ford has been a star so far. I feel like camp. Austin Ford might be taking that spot, even though. I want to see him avoid that drop a day. It seems like Austin Ford right now is good for a drop pass a day. I want to see him on Saturday have a clean game in that. He's had a he's clean practice. A streak of uh, three straight practices now, and he had a fumble uh, on one of them that uh, he picked up, and he was able to to recover. Sua Craven stripped him. He picked it up and was able to go. But I mean, that's the thing is is those are those are also teachable things. Yeah, you can take a rook. You drop the ball again, you get. 10 push-ups you know drop the ball a second time or or fumble it you're gonna do a lap I mean you can teach those things or have them carry around a ball all the time the safeties are providing a good challenge for Austin Ford though and I think even though you didn't have a pick I thought today was an outstanding day for the safety core as a whole you had that play by Sua Cravens poking the ball out you had Justin Simmons with a brick wall moment in goal to go 
stuffing Dave Williams at the one-yard line. That's a a tough guy to Exactly. The biggest running back on the roster, and Justin Simmons came forward and stopped him cold. Will Parks with a really nice play on Tim Patrick, timing Mm -hmm. his contact to come in as the ball arrived, forcing an incompletion. Perfect. The, the officials, the NFL officials are there. So if it's PI, it's going to be called. The timing that Will Parks had that moment couldn't have been better. You saw the safeties also active against the run, filling some holes. Even though you didn't have an interception, as far as an across the board performance Friday, I thought the safeties were terrific. Yeah, it was a good day for the safeties. And yeah, you're right. It was the first day without, without a pick. As you, as you pointed out. But they did so many other good things. But they things. did so many other good things. And, and honestly, Bryce Callahan had another good day in coverage. He broke up a pass, uh, elite, actually a couple of passes today. So he continues to be a really reliable corner for the Broncos, not just playing inside, also playing outside. Uh, we do have to eventually get to that deep completion to Cortland Sutton. That was, uh, that was pretty. A fifty-yard bomb uh, from Joe Flacco to Cortland Sutton. And he laid out for it. He had to lay. He had to lay out for it. It was. Ju- it was intentionally thrown a little bit long. And Corlin Sutton was running underneath. Maybe maybe a little bit one of the a four three guy probably gets underneath that and runs it into the end zone. But a four five guy, he had to make a leap for it and he timed it perfect. Well, maybe that play is going to Emmanuel Sanders if he's healthy. Could be in due time. That was against the twos. Just, yes, you know, I, I tweeted it out because you know it's Corlin Sutton. It's my guy. I was like, hey, Corlin Sutton, fifty yard catch. And then uh, and then people were like. It doesn't bother. I think Joe Rolls said, "Hey, does it bother you that that it was a he was wide open running by him?" Like, well, it wasn't against the twos. I mean, you know, that is what it is. There's some talent on the twos. Oh, there is some. talent. You saw a liberal rotation. You saw some veterans getting a a little bit of a respite today. For Demarcus example, Walker got Demarcus Walker getting some snaps for Derek Wolf. Yeah, Demarcus Walker. What a camp. Having a very good camp. What a camp. One of the topics that we broached with Shelby Harris in this conversation. All right, we're chatting here with Shelby Harris. Uh, so the last couple of days, it seems like the offense has uh, been uh, battling back a little bit. How have you seen it? Well, I guess that's just your opinion, I feel like. <laughs> no, but they've been, they've been doing good, you know. But I feel like, you know, we've been having some real good battles. And, uh, you know, it's been going back and forth. But, you know, that's what we want to see, though. We don't want to see one side of the ball just dominate the other, though. So it's been good. What are you guys doing differently this year versus last year uh, to, to dominate that offense? You know, I just feel like we have a lot of players with a lot of experience, and uh, the offense has some players necessarily that don't have that much experience. You know, we got a bunch of 10, 9, 8-year vets on the, on the defense, so, you know, we're just out here just balling, playing our game, and, you know, we're not having as big of a learning curve, I feel like, as the offense. Saw DeMarcus working alongside you today. How's he looking so far, and uh, how far has he come? You know, he looks good. You know, he's, he, he looks like he's been developing. He looks like he's been, you know, out here doing good things, you know. And, uh, you know, practice, he's definitely stepping up now. Like, now I just want to see, like, excited to see him do it in the games and stuff like that. So he's definitely improved a lot. Any uh, changes as far as things that Bill Collar has been instituting with you guys with this new scheme? Anything that uh, you weren't used to from last year? Well, you know, it's just like different steps and different defensive calls and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, just working uh, new defense. You've got to work new techniques and, and you got to try to really work the way the way you do things in this defense. So it's, just, it's a different type of defense. We haven't played this. I've never played this type of defense before. So, you know, it's definitely things that we have to go out there and uh, practice during, during individual that like things we haven't done before. 
Last year, you and Damata kind of, you know, split the time there. This year, you were the man there. Is there a, a different mindset for you as far as that goes? Yeah, man, it's just um, go out there and ball. You know, it is no subbing in and out, really. You know, I go in there and, and you know, I just got to be the man out there. And, and uh, you can't, you got to, you know, that's why I tried to come in this year way more conditioned and, and ready to go longer stretches just because I am the nose. And so... You know, it's just, it's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. A weekend, it seems like you guys are doing more, having more days in pads. It's more physical. How do you think this camp is as far as getting you ready compared to the ones you had the last couple of years? Well, you know, it's just different different things that each coach has done. Um, you know, this camp, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more physical. But, you know, we've had a lot more. I feel like the last couple camps, it was a lot more um, you know, conditioning stuff involved in it. And so it's just like they're, they're pretty dissimilar, but they're different at the same time. It's not like one is doing something way better than the other. You know, camp is just camp, you know, so you just got to go out there. It's, it's supposed to be a grind every camp, so and that's what they have been. So it's, it's been fine. Last question for you. Uh, with uh, Todd Davis out, the communication as far as the overall defense, how do you feel like it's it's gone as far as not skipping a beat? Yeah, it, it's been fine. You know, we got, you know, <laughs> Um, some rookies in there. We got AJ in there, but you know it's it's all good. You know we still got the outlaw in there, Josie Jules. So you know he's 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 still kind of helping out a little bit. But we haven't missed a beat though. You know, and that's really it's good to get those reps in with the younger guys now, so that when Todd comes back, the 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 next group doesn't miss a beat. You need to have players get the like. It's good to get players reps with the ones because then now they're they're getting accustomed to the speed of how the ones go. What's the ceiling for this defense? There is no ceiling, man. I'm telling you right now, we can we can we can do whatever we set our minds to, and that's and that's our goal. I think Shelby wanted to get inside. Shelby sometimes is a little more loquacious than that. Yeah, he's he looked he looked a little. He bit. looked tired. Yeah, but then again, it was right after goal to go. Mm-hmm. So you just had the most physical moment of training camp, and they didn't do the usual stretching. Mm, after right. practice the that they normally stretch. do. Usually they do about 10 minutes of wind-down stretching, and that gives me enough time to to close things out up on the balcony, get down the elevator, meet you guys over there. There wasn't that. And so Sua Cravens, you guys start talking to him, and I was still walking over because they didn't wind that down. I wonder if that's why Shelby Harris was a, a little bit tired. Could have been, and... You said it yourself, though. One of the more physical practices we've seen so far, and that's Shelby what, was good. And Shelby was good. Shelby's been good. I mean, he's he's uh, he's an anchor. There's no question about it. And he he has been good. Question in there about uh, you know sharing time with Domata. He's the full time nose now, and you know they're they're going to rotate guys around the defensive line. They're going to show different looks, but he's going to be playing. I'd say at least 85% of the snaps. I would say maybe even higher than that. I almost went 75, but I thought no, that's too low. I don't think the rotation on the D-line is going to be as liberal as it has been the last couple of years. You know how we've seen some games where you have uh, each D-lineman getting about uh, 45 50% of the snaps? Maybe some, some games, none of them getting more than 50. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Well, Vic Fangio's made a point about wanting his starters to play a lot Continuity. of snaps. Yeah, he, he told that. And I remember Von Miller even speaking about that. Uh, prior prior to the start of camp, saying that uh, he expected Bradley Chubb and Von Miller to be on the field for eighty five to ninety percent of the snaps. That's the expectation. Is I want my top guys on the field. They don't send a lot of blitzes. They need to be able to get pressure without blitzing. And to do that, you need your best players on the field. One player on the back end 
who might have been asked to blitz last year but won't be this year because he's basically being a safety, so those chances will be rare. Sua Cravens, part of the safety core that had a very good day out there Friday. He chatted with Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, and me after practice. All right, we're chatting with uh, Sua Cravens, man. How are you feeling like the uh, the defense, the secondary is coming together? Uh, Boy, you guys uh, seem to be flying around the ball. Them boys are my brothers. Like... It's hard to explain. I mean, last year we had a tight-knit group, and we had a lot of Super Bowl vets on our team, but it just feels different this year. This year it just kind of feels like like we've known each other our whole lives. Like we went to high school together and went to different colleges and then ended up on the same team. So um, you can see the trust out there, and that's why we're we making so many plays on the ball so far. No more no-fly zones. It's the new fly zone. You guys got a nickname for that yet? Man, we ain't got no nickname. All we know is we just out here ready to strap anything. You know what I'm saying? We we, we got a job to do. And uh, I know Coach Ed and Namdi and, and Beak, we, we got a standard that they have set. And we need to reach it by the time the season starts. Now that you've been in here for not only the offseason, but also got the work the last week in training camp, how is your role different as a safety compared to last year? I mean, like last year, I wasn't really even playing safety. Like, I was mostly playing linebacker and just playing strictly man and really nothing else. And I feel like I can do a lot more than just cover. So, um, no, this year they had me at nothing but safety. And they tell me, we want you to play safety and we want you to learn this. And uh, we want to see what you can do. And they've given me the opportunity. And I feel so far I've, uh, you know, taken the most of my opportunity. How much does it help you guys seeing an offense that utilizes tight ends and running backs so much? Definitely prepares you for the Patriots, <laughs> prepares you for the for the Falcons who we play week one, Jeez. and uh, the Chiefs who are going to spread Kelsey out and go single. And uh, a little bit of the Chargers offense as well because they pass the ball so much, they put Keenan Allen on the inside. So this defense, man, I like this defense a lot, a lot. You can be a playmaker. What's the biggest adjustment for you moving out of the box as a linebacker and into that safety role? I, I always play safety. Like for me, it was like, why does everybody want me to play linebacker? Like my whole life, I've always been covering tight ends and you know being in a half or coming on down on the edge and blitzing. So for me, it was like, okay, like this is second nature for me. I, it was like I had to learn linebacker. Like I already knew safety. So when they put me back, it was like, what's the playbook? What do you feel the ceiling is for you and this defense this year? Man, to be honest. All my personal accolades and goals when I was a kid to have, my selfish goals, those went out the window. For me, I don't care about none of that. I want to win. And I know what it's like to be on a team where you're not winning, everybody's frustrated, and and then people start pointing fingers. I hate that. I don't want to be a part of anything like that. I feel like this team, we're just a family. Regardless of what the outcome's going to be, we got each other's back. And I think that's why the defense is meshing so well. And just because the offense looks a certain way right now, I guarantee the offense is going to be firing on all cylinders come week one. Last question for you. I, I, you were talking a little bit about your mindset there, and honestly, you, you had some frustrations last year. You benched at the end of the year, coming off from Washington, all the frustrations out there. What's your mindset coming into this year? Control what you can control. You know, last year, uh, that didn't matter to me. I, I know I wasn't, I was not playing, not because of my skill set or because of my talent. And once that, I learned that, it didn't bother me anymore, and I can't control what goes on from that point on. All I can do is play my game, make the plays that come to me, and be assignment perfect. Like as I'm, I'm, I'm a chief, not the Indian. So you know I'm saying I'm just, I'm gonna just do what I'm told and make sure we get these W's. So Sue is a pure safety now. No more linebacker. He's making plays. Yes, he's, he is. The second team, he's making plays. Showing a lot of range back there. It's, it's a really deep group. Uh, you almost, I mean, not you want to say this, but you almost kind of need an injury for him to to have a really good, good shot at the roster. But I, I think that he's showing what he needs to to stay competitive there. And preseason, as as, as Vic Fangio said, the training camp, the practices or the quizzes, the the final exam, 
those are the games. And so that's where Sue Cravens really could separate himself a little bit. I imagine that if the starters do not play in the preseason opener, and Vic Fangio, he'll get into that next week, but it would not surprise me if we don't see many starters at all, maybe Dalton Reisner perhaps to get him some reps. But next week could be a showcase for Sua Cravens. Mm -hmm. A little bit of Will Parks, probably not so much because you know what he's got, but Sua Cravens, Jamal Carter, Trey Marshall, Diamante Thomas. Diamante Thomas was around, was flying around today as well. You're not going to be able to keep all those guys. No, you, it's just it's just the numbers. But that's where the opportunities present himself. And I mean, I got five safeties on the team right now. I think you do too. You could consider a sixth one, depending on some some other things the way they shake out. But then that special teams you're getting into, and uh, that means that those guys are going to have to shine in that. And and Sue is going to have to play some special teams. That there's no way around that. You can consider all of it. Or you can consider none of it. Boy, the John Fox quote. That was that was beautiful. Well, when you it, cited that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, what what can I say? It it comes up so many times, came up so many times on our show when we were doing it. And uh I, I couldn't couldn't avoid it. We, before we get out of here, we have to mention Juwan Winfrey. He yes. had an insane day. He had a terrific day, frequently targeted by both Joe Flacco. And Kevin Hogan and Drew Locke and Brett Rippon. Everybody was looking at Juwan Winfrey's direction at some point today, catching everything. And if he couldn't catch it, it really was uncatchable. Like right. that, that That's the thing you had to be from, way over his head. Had to be way over his head, or a defender happened to have their hand inside, and it would have been impossible to catch. Otherwise, he caught it. He was diving for catches. So for whatever whatever was had him banged up and kind of working his way back, it's gone now. He looked Tremendous. He looks like a complete wide receiver, doesn't he? And I see this is where it's tough because training camp does teach us some lessons in years past about boy, this guy is unbelievable. Cody Latimer, this guy is catching everything. What, Sunshine, what a, Sunshine, yeah. Jordan Taylor, yeah. And, and so it does teach us some lessons. But he's going to be on the roster. We know that he's a draft pick. He's played well. He has a chance if he can play like that to be a really, really important piece to this offense going forward. I don't know about so much impact this year, but beyond that, because you think about Emmanuel Sanders, what they decide with his contract, but Juwan Winfrey was a guy that probably could have gone higher in the draft if it weren't for, as we talked about yesterday, some of the issues off-field, some of the issues with injuries. He he had a really, really good shot at going much higher in the draft. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, of course, only 7-on-7, seven seven, no team period reps just yet. Deshaun Hamilton, he's out with a hamstring injury. River Craycraft remains sidelined with his injury. So the domino effect has created more snaps for a player like Jawan Winfrey. Realistically, I think Jawan Winfrey and Tim Patrick mm-hmm. are battling for one role and the same number of snaps, and I think the other ends up being a special teams guy primarily who maybe even some weeks isn't even active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that they're because of their body types. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Right now, I mean, if we we're going to uh, take a look at that back into the wide receiver room, I think Kevin McKnight is put himself in, in a really, really good position. Well put, because we're going to hear from Kelvin McKnight as Ben Ryan and I talked with him after practice after a big, big day catching everything and getting plenty of work with the ones. Here's that conversation. What was uh, special teams coordinator Tommy Mann telling you right there? 
Uh, just different looks on punts that I'll be seeing uh, throughout the year, different type of punters, just like the different techniques, uh, what to read on the ball, stuff like that. You get a lot of reps at varying uh, levels of the depth chart out there. How's it good is it good to run with the ones, twos, and threes? Um, it's a good experience for me. I can uh, learn repetition. Like I said, you just get better. Um, failure, failure equals growth. So not trying to uh, mess up on anything. Just go out there studying, working on my craft, and just getting better. What have you learned from going against those first-team cornerbacks over the last week or so? Uh, just have to change it up. Uh, different things give them um, different looks. Uh, they give me feedback as well. They tell me um, I'm very quick. I could do. Uh, I'm good at certain things. So I just watch film and try to have a little counteract for them like every day. It's a big opportunity to run with the ones and to get as many opportunities, uh, snaps as you're getting and uh, Joe Flacco pa- passing the ball to you. How, how do you feel like uh, you came about that? Is it through the work ethic, through what happened there? Uh, really just um, just put my head down working. Um, shoot, Coach say going there with the ones. Shoot, I'm just in there. I don't, I don't ask no questions. I just hop in there. So that's just how it came about. What does Kelvin McKnight bring to this team that nobody else does? Um, a guy that's just very humble, head down, don't really like to complain, never get complacent, and just really ready to work every day. What are you doing better now as a wide receiver than you did when you first got here? Um, job description, understanding what I have to do, um, learning I could cheat a couple plays, uh, learn I can, when I can do me and when I can't do me. What do you mean cheat exactly? <laughs> uh, it's just a football term. Uh, maybe still a yard on this lineup, on my like alignment, uh, cut my split down, certain stuff like that. How has the rhythm been with the quarterbacks, in your opinion? What, what do you notice different about each guy? Um, ooh, all, all our quarterbacks are very great. Um, shoot, Joe, Joe has one of the best deep balls I've ever seen playing football. i never seen somebody that could throw it effortless down the field, uh, rip. He can rip it. <laughs> he can rip it. And Drew, he always can extend the play. He can change his arm angle and make a very good throw. All of them have their uh, best things at it. So, so like, it's just hard to say, really. I like what he said about cheating. Mm-hmm. It's not really cheating, but they're little tricks. Tricks of the trade, I guess you'd call them, that he's already picked up on. McKnight is a really savvy player when you watch him and watch the way he runs routes. He's learning by observing, but he's putting his own spin on things. But as much as he's doing as a wide receiver, and he and Trinity Benson have capitalized on the River Craycraft injury probably more than anybody, but there may be room for only one of Trinity Benson and Kelvin McKnight on the roster. Thus, the difference is going to come on special teams. Bingo. And they're both catching punts. I imagine they're both going to get some punt return reps in game in, in game starting next Thursday. And Tom McMahon, special teams coordinator, says he wants to use a bunch of different guys next week. He actually had eight guys fielding punts today. And River Craycraft, when he gets back healthy, could probably be the ninth one in that mix. So you better hope the defense plays well next week but doesn't force turnovers because you need a lot of punt return mm-hmm. opportunities for these guys. But that's where McKnight has to make the roster. He's got to carve out a special teams niche for himself. And McMahon has told us we're not going to get clarity on that punt return gig probably until week two or week three of the preseason at the earliest. So no. McKnight's playing well, but I can't put him in Sharpie right now. No. He's very impressive, but he's and this was a great day for him today. But he's still a ways off. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. And we've always said that the sixth wide receiver at that point is your returner, and it has to it kind of has to be that. Juwan Winfrey, by the way, getting opportunities to return too. But but in that 
in that vein. And by the way, Deshaun had gotten opportunities to throw Philip Lindsay back there, but you know, again, Philip is not going to be your prime returner. I imagine they're more punt catchers. Yeah, and Deshaun is kind of in that same realm. But Calvin McKnight, I he he looks as far as a route runner, pretty polished uh, overall. I mean, he's and the way he talked about running routes, the way he's he's seeing the field. And the trust that Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, as he talked about all of them, even Kevin Hogan, the trust they're showing in him, they look for him on big downs. Like, th- it's third down, they're looking his way. They're not They're not looking for the more reliable guys that they've expected, you know, they're u- more used to working with. Kelvin McKnight's getting that uh, those opportunities, and he's deserving. Love watching him on those drag routes. Oh, yeah. He is great at making a nice, sharp cut and using that cut to get that step of separation. You're not going to have more than that in that short area of the field relative to where the quarterback is, but he's able to do that, and if the quarterback can hit him in stride, it's a play that has a chance to not just move the chains, but maybe get double digits because he's got some explosive tendencies after the catch. He's a pretty fearless route runner. It's been fun to watch. Yeah. One more receiver we're going to hear from before we go. I talked with Nick Williams. The Broncos signed him Friday morning because of issues at wide receiver. Of course, they needed guys for camp. Nick Williams played for Rich Gangarello and Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. He's bounced around the league. He's been with the Rams for a time last year. He understands this scheme. Here's the conversation I have with him. First look at the offense. You were in something similar in Atlanta. How much does it line up to that scheme back in 2015 with Kyle Shanahan and Skangs back there? Right. It, it's it's real similar. Uh, I haven't even, to be honest, really checked it out too much yet. But just being on the field today and hearing a lot of the plays, a lot of the formations, a lot of carryover, um, it's a real successful scheme in the, in the league. Uh, McVay runs it. Kyle runs it. Um, LaFleur runs it. So, I mean, it's or runs versions of it. So, you know, it's kind of the same principles. So it's, it's uh, and those guys are all great coaches, all successful coaches, and Rich is coming up in that mold. And so I would expect there to be a decent amount of, of that stuff in his offense and then things that he's added over the years. Um, so it, there was definitely, it's definitely an advantage to, to have that background. It makes the transition easier. Jumping in midway through camp like this, how much extra work do you anticipate doing in terms of studying to catch up and get on the same page? No doubt, a lot. Um, just because with me, that that's it takes an element out. It's a variable you can control, you know. Um, so I, as long as the more that you can prepare and control and really own the system, allows you to play freer. It takes your mind off of things allows you to put emphasis in other areas, and then you can kind of take the next step as a player. So I'm going to be studying my ass off. Even so, though, the scheme and the familiarity, that allowed you to play a little free today because you're able to make some plays out there right away. Yeah, a, a couple ones out there today. So, But that was really the coaches. They were spoon-feeding me the plays and whatnot, and they did. They made it easier today. I'm sure that uh, that will be pulled back in the, in the upcoming days, and I've got to, you know, the learning curve will get a little steeper. What should Broncos fans know about you that they don't know right now? Um, just love playing ball, competitive, um, quick, tough guy, and uh, happy to be here. So that's Nick Williams, the newest Bronco, number 86 on the scorecard. Remember that if you go out to practice on Saturday at Bronco Stadium at Mile High because I'm not sure his name will be in the roster just yet because they were printing those things off. That's just sort of how it goes. So we hope to see you out there at Bronco Stadium on Saturday. Remember to go get your tickets online. You have to have the ticket in order to get in. It's free, but make sure you get your ticket in advance. 
You can even do that tomorrow morning. Just make sure you got it on your phone, print it out, whatever, and then come on down to the stadium, watch the Broncos practice for about two and a half hours or so, get a glimpse of Vic Fangio, what he's doing. For Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you over the weekend. This has been the Broncos Camp Podcast. (laughs) 